0: And hello there. Welcome to the inaugural edition of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Ryan Smith, brought to you by the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at KP Pounding underscore FSSN. And uh, this podcast is also powered by the Fans First Sports Network. Follow them on Twitter at Fans First SN and rate and subscribe uh this podcast to Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Well, the goal of this podcast is to really bring you the fans, a variety of guests with their vault of knowledge, talk all things Carolina Panthers. My first guest on this list in this episode, he is a Former of the Charlotte Observer writer, now the beat writer of the mm-hmm. athletic for the Panthers. He is Joe Person. Joe, welcome to Inside the Vault. How's it going?
1: Yeah, going well, Ryan. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, no, no, so good to have you on, Joe. And uh, thanks for being our first guest here on Inside the Vault. Uh, before we get into the training camp topics, let's get to some uh, pre camp talk. We know training camp right around the corner this week as. The Panthers set sail towards Spartanburg and Wofford College. Uh, we'll get there though. Question number one. Um, you know, let's talk about Brian Burns. You may have heard of him. There's an offer on the table according to, you know, Darren Gann at Panthers.com. I know you guys, uh, have guys like Nick Bosa out there as well for the 49ers waiting to get paid too. But, um, what are the chances Brian Burns signs his deal before training camp begins?
1: Uh, it seems unlikely Just because we're running out of days um, I think They will get a deal done Before the start of the season And as you said Nick Bosa is is About to get paid uh, and, and reset that whole edge rusher market right. So if you're a guy like Brian Birds or his representatives it Makes sense to I mean, Not that Brian Birds is going To get a, a contract commensurate With Bosa but in the trickle down effect it, it could you know mean some more money for him uh and you know as i said uh, because he wants to be paid among the top edge rushers in the league he deserves to be he he has proven that over the course of his first four seasons and especially um uh, especially the last two years where he went to the pro bowl both years and so I I don't think there's any sort of acrimony in, in talking with Burns uh, at the end of, of minicamp. He said he wanted to be here, felt pretty confident that they would be able to get a deal done. I, at, whether it happens before Tuesday, it seems unlikely, but who knows?
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we have a big rookie class this year, uh, big as far as it seems like the last few years as far as the number of contributions, particularly in this class, obviously leading with Bryce Young all the way down uh, to the safety from Florida State uh, Johnson as well. Talk to you, uh, talk to me, or excuse me, Jamie Robinson, I would say, uh, not Johnson. Um, What are your overall impressions of this rookie class? Um, The most intriguing pick outside of Bryce Young, who could maybe see the most playing time in year one.
1: Oh, I think that would be Jonathan Mingo, the second round pick from Ole Miss. I think they like the idea Scott Fitter and, and Frank Reich did of bringing in a a rookie wideout, a highly drafted wideout, to kind of uh, pair with Bryce Young and, and let these guys maybe get some chemistry. Um, you know, kind of like kind of kind of like Joe Burrow did in Cincinnati with Jamar Chase. Uh, yeah. Bring bringing those, and, and so I, I think it's a great idea. And uh, Mingo big guy but he's got that size speed combination he caught a lot of uh crossing routes at old miss and i forget if it was fitter or reich or one of them uh around the time of the draft after they selected jonathan mingo in the second round that they felt like that piece of his game would fit really well in the frank reich offense that sort of the horizontal stretch rather than the vertical stretch piece of it and, and we saw him catch a lot of those passes during the spring from Bryce Young, uh, coming over the middle. And, uh, so I think he has a chance to, to make a, a big impact. Uh, just going through re- very quickly, it, 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 easy to do is they only have five guys in this class. DJ Johnson's going to get a long look at edge rusher, their third round pick, just because that is a need opposite Brian Burns. Chandler Savala had a peck injury in the spring. He's the he's the fourth-round pick out of uh, the offensive lineman from NC State, played next to Aquano uh, for the Wolfpack. He's going to open camp on the physically unable to perform list, so it might be a week or a couple weeks until we see him. And then finally, uh, the Florida State safety, you mentioned Jamie Robinson. I'm intrigued by that guy because he is a hitter, but he also can cover in the back end. And uh, guys like that, if, if nothing else, I would think, he would be a factor as a rookie on special teams.
0: Yes. And thank you for that correction, Joe, five guys in that rookie class, uh, as you mentioned. Um, so going to free agency, the Panthers went after a bunch of positions, uh, safety, tight end, backup quarterback uh, receiver after trading away DJ Moore as part of that package for Bryce Young. Um, But they didn't address really defensive end, outside linebacker with that new 3-4 defense or uh, a cornerback as well with Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn coming off those injuries respectively. Are they really set on not bringing anyone else in those positions or do they think someone like a Marquise Haynes or a Yatir Gross Matos uh, might be an answer uh, on one of those positions?
1: I think we are going to see them add at edge rusher at some point during, during the preseason. I don't know that it'll be, you know, this, this first week. I mean, some of these veterans, frankly, like Jadavion Clowney, uh, who, who is, by the way, Charlotte area native out of Rock Hill. Of course, everybody knows about Clowney and he's got some age on him now. Uh, You know, he's kind of been a little up and down the last couple of years, but I, a guy like him who's been around for his, he may not want to sign until, uh, (laughs) the dog days of training camp are over, you know, they, they, you know, these veterans, you know, they, they, they've been through the wars. They're, they don't necessarily need training camp. So I don't know if the Panthers will sign a, a guy like that. Um, I, I think that it's possible also that Scott Fitter waits at, and, and at one of those positions anyway, is I do think they need a, a backup corner and maybe even, you know, an inside linebacker in terms of depth. Uh, sure. but but it wouldn't surprise me. Like last year, we saw fitter last couple of years, but but it, but specifically at edge rusher, defensive end last year, they signed Henry Anderson uh, uh, after the Patriots cut him with an injury settlement.
0: That's right, yeah, and,
1: and so I, I to answer your question is I I think they're going to address at least two of those three positions I mentioned and potentially all three at at some level in in some form or fashion. I'm not, it's not going to be all big name guys, but, but they, they know they have some, some more holes to fill.
0: Yeah. Uh, last question before we get to training camp and, and beyond topics here, um, of those free agent acquisitions, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, Adam Thielen, uh, those are the big names, uh, who is the most underrated uh that, uh that you think would have the best chance of really giving the Panthers a big boost this season?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I I might go with Hayden Hurst just because um they uh, Frank Reich's offense has traditionally involved the tight ends a lot. Um he's a guy that's caught a lot of passes in this league. He's still even though he joined the NFL late because he was one of these minor league pitcher guys, he went to try baseball first. I mean, he's still—I think he's—I think Hurst is twenty-nine, I believe. He—that's um, right. Yep, yep. So, I'll go with Hayden Hurst. I, I, yeah, DJ Chark at receiver is is very fast. He's also not been super durable, however, so you wonder if he'll be able to get through a whole season, I don't know that he's ever played a full season in in his five years that the wide receiver group is is, is that, that is something I'm really wanting to look at at Spartanburg because I think they're deeper than they were a year ago. Like, you know, from one through six, but I don't know that they have a one, you know, like DJ Moore for, for so many years or for, you know, four or five years anyway. I mean, you just pencil him at the top of the depth chart and, and kind of work, work on who number two, number three receiver this group. I don't, is it Adam Thielen? Is it DJ Shark, who I mentioned? I, I don't think it would be Jonathan Mingo as a rookie, but uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know that they have that one guy that defensive coordinators are, are going to like have to really zone in on or hone in on, but, but overall the group collectively might be better.
0: Yeah. And, uh, as we head into training camp now, we'll switch gears here. Uh, first year for this coaching staff, um, you know, we, we survived the Matt rule era. Um, we had, uh, so many changes after that era, uh, coming to an end, hiring Frank Brake as the coach, uh, Thomas Brown, offensive coordinator, Jared Everett, defensive coordinator, Jim Caldwell as a senior assistant, Deuce Daly, Josh McCown, just to name some of the coaches on the staff. Um. What name, not named Reich, uh, would you say is probably the most pivotal uh, for the success of this team this season?
1: Probably Evero, uh, the coordinator you mentioned. He, you know, he had a very successful year as a defense coordinator last year in Denver. Um, he, so, so so much so that he got a couple of head coaching interviews, including with the Panthers. Yep. Um, he just like this defense, I think. You know, two years ago they were the the, they were a top three defense. They fell off quite a bit last year and it and it got overlooked a little bit because of the coaching change and every week there was a question about who was going to be the quarterback. Like so much of our attention was on that offensive side of the football. But this defense really took a step back last year. I mean Steve Wilkes did some some things when he took over to, you know, kind of shore things up, but but they got to get back to being a uh, – especially with Bryce and a rookie quarterback. Like, you want to help – you want to help that that quarterback. You don't you don't want him having to, like, go out and throw 50 times a game. And I think uh, with Evero, he's going to bring in a new system. They, they're moved for a four, from a 4-3 to a three-man front. They brought in some new personnel especially like interior linemen with, with shy Tuttle and Deshaun Williams that maybe fit that three, four better. And, uh, so he's, it's a very good staff, as you know, and they, they paid handsomely to, to bring it in, but I would go with Evero as the key assistant. Got it.
0: Um, and so, you know, switching gears now uh, as we head into the training camp topics, um, you know, Bryce young rookie quarterback, number one pick, uh, there's a vibe around not just Bryce Young, but this team heading into this season. Uh, it seems like for the first time in, in about four years, uh, since 2020 with that COVID bubble season, Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, uh, that year. Um, Joe, what is the most realistic is the word I would use re- expectations for Bryce Young heading into camp and the preseason? Cause he signed his contract this past Friday, four year deal, 37.9 million signing bonus of 24 million. Um, and he made a good impression uh, in OTAs and minicamp. Um, and it didn't really take him long to for everyone to see stuff like his meticulous preparation, his elite level processing, his ability to uh, leadership of inspiring others around him. So what is the realistic expectations for Bryce Young heading into camp and then the preseason?
1: I mean, just kind of continue along the lines of, of, of what he established in the spring. I mean, I don't know that I would, you know, list any terms of, like, completion percentage or yardage. I I don't know. I'd have to – I want to dive a little deeper into that. But he – you mentioned it. Like, he has a real way for for being a guy who is so highly decorated and who has played at college football's biggest stage at Alabama. He I mean, played at the biggest stage in high school at Matter Day out in uh, L.A. But he's got a real – humility about him I mean and Brian Burns said it best like he's confident and he knows he's the the the, the crap oh. as Burns said using a different word but he 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 still he he knows he's good but he doesn't have to go around telling people uh if that makes sense so just well I hope I don't know if you can hear it I've, I've got some serious rain coming down on me I I hope hope I don't lose the reception.
0: Yeah, no, all, all good, all good. Yes, um, that is, uh, you know for sure, that quiet confidence, uh, as Brian Burns said, uh, coming down uh, about him. Um, you already mentioned the D and the transition from the four three to the three four. You mentioned guys like Deshaun Williams, Shy Tuttle, um, who who might be good fits. Um, but how do you feel like the defense is going to transition from that four three to the three four? Because it is not an overnight thing there's going to be a little bit of adjustment uh going into year one
1: no doubt about it and some guys are not going to be good fits. like you mentioned earlier gross Matos. uh he he looks like kind of an odd fit at defensive end like not not really nimble enough to play outside linebacker like they're going to have a guy like brian burns to do out in the space Um, I'm not sure Marquise Haynes is a great fit. Like he was a good situational edge rusher in a four three. Maybe he will, but you know, those are two guys in particular that seem like they could be tough fits. Um, yeah, it's going to be a work in progress for sure. I mean, I don't know that it impacts guys in the back end as much, but, but to me, like the, the the secondary play is going to be critical because. I think they did some nice things. Like I think the addition of Von Bell probably hadn't gotten enough, uh, attention that this offseason, I probably haven't written enough about him, but he's really good player. And, and last year he had four interceptions, uh, for the Bengals. The Panthers safeties combined did not even have one interception. And so that has to change. Like they have to be more opportunistic and and that starts up front too. That's not just all on the back end, but I, I mean, JC Horn, if he can stay healthy and I know that's an if cause <laughs> so far he hasn't, but I mean, I think he can be a top 10 corner in this league. I think he had three interceptions last year. Like He's a guy I would look at if I'm a Panther fan, like looking for a breakout type guy. And he's, one that i would circle i mean he's got to stay healthy uh but if he does i think he could be in in line for a real big season on that back end
0: yeah uh two players uh real quickly on this uh two players that i feel like just no one knows how they're going to be used this season lavishka on offense and jeremy chin on defense um what are your expectations for them this season
1: well, I mean, Chenault, I think he's going to make the team, but, but it is, as said, it's a deeper wide receiver group. And so there's going to be a veteran who, you know, who's played a lot of snaps in this league, be it somebody like Shai Smith, who's not hard to think of Shai Smith as a veteran, but, but he's been in the receiving rotation here for two years. Someone I would think among the group of Shai Smith, Chenault, and Demir Bird is not going to make this team. I think, though, just for the reason you mentioned, Ryan, and all his versatility and his ability to kind of do what D.J. Moore has done in this offense, and yep. that's carry the ball on reverses or end arounds or jet sweeps, and then, uh, you know, even sometimes maybe line up in the backfield. I think Frank Reich did that with some of his whiteouts in, uh, in Indianapolis on occasion. And so, yeah, I think we're going to see him continue to be a chess piece and Chin as well. I like Jeremy Chin, I know some of it he was hurt last year, I think it was a hamstring injury, missed missed about a month. But he you know. was not the same player last year in terms of making an impact. And and he's got he's got to get back and the, the Evero's got that that's one of the challenges facing him is yeah. where to put him and and I think it's gonna be closer to line of scrimmage. And I think that's where they're they're hoping will be the sweet spot where they can get Jeremy Shin back to being the playmaker he was early in his career.
0: And uh, let's go through the training camp battles uh, real quickly. We don't have time to go through, obviously, the whole team. But um, in your mind, what are the top um, training camp battles on both sides of the ball? Uh, Let's say one on offense and one on defense. What are the two positions that are most going to be great competition and may not be decided even through training camp?
1: Yeah, offense is tricky because they brought back their whole offensive line. <laughs> They've got, you know, they drafted the quarterback number one overall. They paid for a tight end. and They paid for a receiver or, excuse me, a running back in Miles Sanders. Um, I'll, on offense, I'll just say sort of some of those, you know, what I mean, the number one receiver thing, like we talked about earlier. Right. And, and I don't even know that. That it's that important with this group. But the the whole receiving rotation is kind of a cop out, but I'll go with that whole competition because I mean, there's some guys are going to be locks to make the team, but I guess figuring out who is going to be the guy. Is it Adam Thielen, who's about to turn 33 years old or 34 years old, I think, in August? Um, Is it DJ Chark if he can stay healthy? Is it Jonathan Mingo, who Maybe he is, you know, developed much faster pace. I mean, listen, Ole Miss. There, there's a history of second round receivers coming out of Ole Miss and doing very well in the National Football League, in DK Metcalf and um, oh, John. Oh, god, I can't believe I the 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 Eagles receiver whose name's escaping me. I'm sorry about that. No, um, but I think that. We'll go with off we'll go with that receiver position on offense. And then on defense, I go with the edge rusher spot opposite Burns with the caveat that I do think the answer or the starter at the, the guy that's gonna win that competition might not even be on the roster yet.
0: Yep. Yep. Um let's talk undrafted free agents. Um guys like Rajon Wright, uh Bumper Pool, Cameron Peoples. Uh, Jalen Redman, who unfortunately is it sounds like is going to start on the pup list. Um, what are some guys that have the best chance of sticking around? Is it those guys that I named? Maybe somebody else we're overlooking.
1: No, I like the two that you ma- named on on the defensive side of the ball. Red's John Wright, the the corner, and then Bumper Pool from from the linebacker from Arkansas. He's a guy I wrote about in the spring just because I found him. First of all, he's got a funny, like perfect football name. Of course. Yes. And, and, and his dad, he, he said it. It was absolutely like he, his dad told his mom, like, our firstborn boy is going to be named Bumper. We are going to have Bumper Pool here uh, on the birth certificate. But this is a guy who sometimes tackles can be an over, uh, you know, kind of an uh, misleading stat. But I'm sorry, man. Like, if you, have 90 to 100 tackles every year in the sec like bumper pool did and left an sec school in his case arkansas as their leading all-time tackler like that's to me that gets my attention and maybe he doesn't have the the, the speed and and, and maybe <laughs> maybe he ends up getting cut and you're like boy joe person didn't know what he's talking about but i'm at least intrigued to see bumper pool now Working against him is the fact that he ended his senior season early at Arkansas to get surgery done on both of his hips. He had He had like hip flexor issues. I don't know if it was a hereditary thing or what, but he ended up getting both hips worked on. So we didn't really see much of him during OTAs and minicamp, but he was the last I talked to him, the hope was he would be fully cleared for camp. And uh, he's a guy too. Like even if he'd been cleared in OTAs, like bumper pool, you're not going to know really what you have on in him until like you get the full pads on and you're you're doing like some real hitting, uh, either like you know against the Jets in those joint practices or in, yep. in the preseason. Game. Anyway, uh, yeah. those are the two yeah. guys that I that I want to see.
0: Sure. Um, let's go through. Um, we'll rapid fire some of these other ones as we. Uh, I know we're. Um, only having a certain amount of time uh, for this podcast, let's go through, um, you know, we've had some people out there say, is Bryce Young really going to start day one? I mean, borrowing injury, even though he hasn't gone through his first training camp, he still has to go through
1: some preseason.
0: Is that really locked in stone or does it depend on how he looks in pads?
1: By the way, my brain cramp earlier. Uh, it was A.J. A. Brown is the other old Miss one. That's outer, right. Yes, yes. I, my, my brain career. was
0: cramping too on that one. Yes.
1: Um, but yeah, Bryce, Bryce Young will will be the, the week one starter. I, in fact, I like the idea that that Frank Reich named him that uh, even before mandatory minicamp. He, he did the last week of OTAs and it was just like, you know what? We're not going to go through like the charade of is Andy Dalton going to be the start? Like you, you traded four draft picks and your best wide receiver to get in position to pick Bryce Young and you. you and it, it you know, you start that. It it's in like Anthony Richardson that that you know, kind of a little bit more of a project. Like Bryce Young is ready. It doesn't mean he's going to be successful, but I mean, he is ready in terms of having the 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 upbringing at. at you know, the football, uh, you know, blue blood background that he had at Alabama. He's he's composed. Don't have the height, as as you know, as the world knows. Yeah. Uh, but but I like that that Frank Reich went ahead and named him. You know the the put him number one on the depth chart. It's like yeah, kind of gives everyone an opportunity to get behind him and everyone working toward week one in Atlanta.
0: Austin Corbett, um, real quickly on him. Uh, we all know he's probably going to miss uh, at least a few weeks to start the season with that uh, ACL injury he suffered in New Orleans uh, last year's season finale. Cade Mains or Cade Mays, rather, or Chandler Zavala. Who do you think has the better chance of starting in his spot week one?
1: I think it, I think it's going to be Cade Mays. I, honestly, I would have said that even before this this health setback for Zavala with the pec injury. But um, Cade Mays, uh, you know, he's like a, a six-round pick uh, last year, played some as a rookie in the backfield as like a, a big-boy fullback. And uh, he looked pretty good in the spring. He, he was getting most of the work at, at right guard opposite – or, excuse me, alongside um, Taylor Moten. So I think it, that'll be his, his job to keep that seat warm for uh, Austin Corbin. Awesome. Well – uh,
0: just a couple more questions here Joe, and we'll do some uh predictions to in the pod um talk about the schedule what are your thoughts uh and uh before you answer on that uh some of our metrics from our our friends out around the NFL um you know the Panthers had the sixth easiest strength to schedule in twenty twenty three based on their opponent's win percentage um we've are one of five teams with a three game road trip weeks twelve through fourteen at Tennessee at Tampa Bay at New Orleans and then we play. Three of our final four games at home, Atlanta, Green Bay on Christmas Eve, and Tampa Bay to finish the season. Uh, so thoughts on the schedule uh, uh, presenting in front of the Panthers this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think when you're playing the AFC South, I do think that helps. <laughs> that yeah. helps your strength strength of schedule. And, um, yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I'm driving. but I know they have a, a – it's tough. It's sort of a front-loaded schedule. I think. I think if they can survive, like they go to Seattle early on, and yeah, um, week
0: three, I believe. Yeah, week three and yeah, Seattle, they, two they, division
1: they, games to open. Yeah, they're. But but I you know listen, every game's tough in the NFL. I mean, ask Matt Rule. I mean, it 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 can be a slog. It it, it is a grind. But you know, Bryce opens at Atlanta. Then he gets his first home game, uh, on, on Monday night against the Saints. So that's kind of fun. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a fair schedule. Uh,
0: opening up against the division opponents, uh, two weeks in a row. I, that's going to be big for the team as, uh, they want to start good early uh, not just in the division. Um, obviously, but as overall establishing that culture, establishing Bryce Young early uh, as the starting quarterback, as you said. All right, Joe, um, prediction time as we close out uh, this first uh, podcast here on Inside the Vault. Um, Prediction, uh, you can say yes, no, or uh, something else if you'd like. Um, Does Bryce Young win Offensive Rookie of the Year?
1: I will say yes.
0: And uh, of all the receivers on the Panthers roster this year, we talked about that room a lot which wide receiver is going to end up being the most dependable um, for Bryce young. Maybe not the one who catches the most amount of balls necessarily, but we'll say the one that has the most chemistry with Bryce young, the most dependable.
1: Uh, I'll go Adam Thielen, the Wiley veteran.
0: Uh, does Brian Burns get over 12 sacks this season?
1: I think he gets right at 12 sacks again. Okay.
0: Uh, does JC Horn stay healthy for all 16 games?
1: That a trick question. Cause we're they have a 17. <laughs> it's a 17 game schedule. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say yes. He plays 16 out of seventeen.
0: Okay. Very good. That was my uh, poor designing on that question. Yes. 17 games. Um, does Eddie Pinheiro continue his hot kicking streak from last year? They ended up trading Zane Gonzalez to the Niners after they ended up cutting him initially, which I thought was interesting. But regardless, Eddie Pinheiro, uh his familiarity with Chris Tabor brings him back. Uh, does he continue his hot streak?
1: I'm going to say no, because I mean, I don't I don't think he's going to like fall off a cliff to where they have to go sign a kicker. Sure. But it would be hard to keep up that ninety-four percent clip uh, on field goals, which is what he had last year when he finished second to uh, Austin Austin Eckler for the the league lead.
0: Yeah, and uh, finally, Joe, what is your season record prediction? If you had to put it all on paper right now, where do the Panthers finish uh, overall
1: record and what place in the NFC South? You know, I I knew you were going to ask me that. I was trying to remember. I I. would I did a prediction when the schedule came out. I think I had them finishing 8 and 9. I, I mean I I think I think there, there's a chance that kind of much like last year in in this kind of weak NFC South that they should stay in contention. And I mean 9 and 8 might win the division. Uh, 8 and 9 could could get you in there. Uh but I'll I'll go 8 and 9 and I'll have them just missing a playoff berth in in Frank Reich's first season.
0: Awesome. Well, uh that is uh going to end it Joe. Uh this has been such a great conversation. We could we could keep going, but uh guys, we have been talking with Joe Person here on Inside the Ball, Vol- a Carolina Panthers podcast. Go check out his work at Joseph Person on Twitter, the beat writer for the Athletic. Uh, for the Panthers as well. Joe, thanks so much for coming on today uh, here uh, as a first guest of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. And uh, we'll see you down in Spartanburg.
1: That sounds great, man. Good luck uh, with your with your podcast and appreciate you having me on.
0: And that was Joe Person of The Athletic, episode one of the inaugural edition of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and this podcast was brought to you by the Key Hunting Podcast Network and powered by the Fans First Sports Network. We'll see you next time.